It's a brand new day. Again. All the mutant chillins coming together in Krakoa. New mutant chillins. New, old, new mutant chillins. Welcome to the X-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And today we're keeping it going with Dawn of X. Keeping it going. Woo-woo. And we're talking about new mutants. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. New mutants. And we got most of the classic team on this cover. What do you think about this cover? I, I, I'll i tell you what I think about it. I love it. You love it? I love most of the things. I mean, I really like this cover. It's cool. Dynamic. Yeah. And everybody's powers look pretty awesome. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Magic front and center. Yeah, it's a nice little burst of mutants. Little bursts. Little burst. Shall we dive in? Yeah. <gasps> a page turn noise. Krakoa. Just rain. Hanging out. Looking at the sunshine. Living it up. Living it up. Because, you know, she was dead. Rough. Rain died. There's a lot that's happened, obviously, since we initially met the New Mutants. Most of it doesn't necessarily matter (laughs) most of it means nothing well no that's not true but sure yeah i mean rain's gone through some stuff she's you know that's that's putting it very lightly and we're not we're not doing bios on everybody but to just let you know the mutants are not the new mutants are not the same kids that we met back in 1982 you know they've they've gone through some stuff they've they've grown a little yeah but, but not, they still seem like kids in this yeah, book. Yeah, they've grown a little bit more like maturity, not really age-wise. And, and really, for some, not really maturity. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Ar-do. He's the worst. I officially decided I don't like him. Oh, I, I do. <laughs> He's too cocky for me. But we have this nice little moment of rain and storm as a flashback. Let's call her Wolfsbane and Storm, right? You know, mutant names. Welcome no back. firsties. Welcome back, little sister. Yeah, that is a really beautiful moment and i really love what storm says when she says let the past go and live she's basically saying you have this opportunity to restart now let's do it so let's do it karma comes in and they're talking about the heaviness of death you know i think that's a great way of showing hey the og team is here they're coming back and we've got some themes to play with but you know we're not we're not diving too deep into them we're just introducing them this idea of death. You know, we've all been reborn in paradise. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful Just moment. Just full of beautiful moments in the beginning. Friends. And then I love that this this data page that introduces the team says, not that new. Exactly. They're young, sure. But they've been around the block a few times. Then came Krakoa. Yeah. So Danny Moonstar's mutant name is Mirage. She's had a handful of mutant names, but yes, that is one of them. When I first was reading this, I was like, no Moonstar? And then I was like, oh, Mirage, that makes sense. Yeah. But I hadn't hadn't heard it before. Yeah, and I don't think you've otherwise met Mondo or Chamber. No, I don't know them. Well, maybe you'll find out a little bit. Ooh. New Mutants, the sextant. Let's go to space. <laughs> Good times in space. Are they, though? <laughs> Well, there's some drinking. Yeah. And some games. Yeah. New Mutants number one, written by Ed Brisson and Jonathan Hickman. 
art by Rod Reese, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, designed by Tom Muller, and our editorial team, John Hickman on Head of X. We're, we're close like that. I call him John. <laughs> Annalise Bisa as assistant editor, Jordan D. White as the editor, and C.B. Sabolsky, editor-in-chief. All right. Now, this guy is named Mondo. Yes. And he communes with, he can, he can connect with matter. So well, this is what I wrote as my summary of these two pages. Let me know if this is correct. Mondo went into this strange void and Krakoa was inside him. But Krakoa didn't like it, so he bounced. I mean, kind of. <laughs> Mondo didn't like it either. Yeah, it wasn't fun it wasn't for fun anyone. fun for anybody, yeah, especially Doug, who gets this threat uh, cipher that is just, uh, if you ever ask me to do that again, I'm probably going to punch you in the face so many times. Okay, understood. Sounds fair. So what ex- exactly is Doug trying to get out of this? He's trying to find another way to communicate with Krakoa. So Doug is the only person really who can communicate with Krakoa. Right. And also exploring how different powers work in synergy. Right. So you have someone that can connect with, can absorb some matter in Mondo. Could we potentially use that to create more of a a symbiotic relationship or more of a a communication, more of a connection between the larger island state. And what exactly is Mondo's power? Mondo is able to take on the properties of matter that he absorbs. So this idea that he could absorb some of Krakoa and then connect to slash through Krakoa is interesting, but it doesn't really work. Or at least not in the sense that Doug had wanted it. And then Krakoa does the other way. And this makes me, reminds me of Get Out and like the Upside Down, (laughs) the the movie, you know, Get Out. Yeah. But I think that this brings in an interesting question about Krakoa and the connection it has to all its matter, right? So yes, we have the flowers, but that's also the ground around it, you know, the the seaweed, the air. Well, Krakoa in, in itself still is difficult for me to grasp in that it is its own being, but it is this thing, but it was once a man, but now it's an island. And how does it... I don't know that it was ever once a man. Yeah, it was. Well, not like a a human man regular, but in the form of a man when it was one of the four horsemen in Hoxpox. Oh, yeah, sure. But I mean, like, that's far future. That's something that we have not actually seen currently that was an evolution of krakoa and a symbiotic relationship between krakoa and doug so it looked like you know this thing that he's trying to work out now eventually happens where there's a merging of krakoa and a yeah that that's more of a physical representation of kind of a man figure Mm. 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 all right well now we're at the sextant the Academos Habitat, yeah, the sextant, which is, you know, I, I think I referenced this in our last episode where we're getting these slow intro bits, right? We're getting a, a duo of characters and a bigger idea. Mm-hmm. You've got this idea of death and paradise with Karma and Wolfsbane. You've got this idea of, of communication with the island with Cypher and Mondo. And then now we have Sunspot and Mirage. And we're talking about what it means to be the new mutants, what it means to be this outside of the X-Men, these later generations. And I think that this is a really cool thing. So 
the Academos habitat was listed on one of those early data pages in Hoxpox as a location on the island, but none of it was ever developed further. But now that hmm. we see these different houses, these different locations, all of these generations of previous mutants, you know, you have Glob Herman, you have what looks like M in an old Generation X outfit with, I'm assuming, either her twin sisters. I was like, what are those little baby Monets running around? Yeah. Make well, more mutants. You know the, I mean, you no, know. No, I don't know and I don't, <laughs> I know that I don't know, but I know. Sure. You know? Right. Monet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we bring our, our last duo into a home, a mutant sextant. And we introduce kind of a new idea, but with our new our new duo of magic and chamber, coffee. Coffee. Thank goodness these kids came up with coffee because I'm with Wolverine and you need to have the coffee. And apparently magic also feels strongly about her coffee as she does not want to share. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting connection to Marauders and that idea with, you know, it, it is a firm idea across Krakoa that we have not previously had coffee and... We've, we've come up with a, a workaround. And who's this guy with magic? What's his name? Chamber. Okay. Why are all his dialogue bubbles in a different color? Because he's speaking telepathically. But it's not... Ugh. How the hell am I supposed to know that? Well, I just told you. Yeah, but isn't telepathically supposed to have the like, little like, like line things around it? Yeah. I mean, it, it also... Certain characters get different speech bubbles where is the key for people like me how like right here baby right here yeah, sitting but that's, across ri- from me. that's ridiculous oh yeah we're just gonna put his words in blue and everyone's gonna know that's because he's speaking telepathically well, no we're not marvel well, well then also like you can look at his no face and the fact that his mouth isn't there and understand that you know he's got to have a way or, or maybe to, he's just covering up his mouth because he has some aversion to coffee smells or you've, fumes. You've also read the whole issue, so you know that he has no face, right? He takes off this this wrap later on to reveal what is in his absence of face. Maybe I missed that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it when we get there then. All right. Well, there's coffee. There's coffee. And this kid's are talking telepathically, apparently. Yeah. And the gang all comes together. <laughs> Ilyana is literally my notes. It's, don't make me cut you. I liked this section because unlike the the X-Men issue where they're all just like having dinner and, you know, part of this is because I have more of a frame of reference of the New Mutants now that we've done what what it is we've done and gone through all the comics. But this just feels like these guys all live together in like a college dorm situation and they're friends and it's just a day in their lives. But I, for some reason, I feel more connected to these relationships, maybe because they, they set them up in pairs and then they bring all the pairs together. And then even though they're not really talking about much, they're talking about coffee and I want coffee and give me your coffee and whatever. It just feels more like I could get through these pages quickly. And I know that it's it's setting up a story to that or setting up relationships to build me somewhere else and kind of like diving me into the world but it feel it reads better to me than that scene in x-men when they're all in the well, also think, summer's house also thinking about how that scene came at the end of the story mm-hmm. 
and was somewhat of a conclusion that wasn't setting up anything further, right? Whereas this is, hey, we've set up these seeds in these pairs of characters and now we're bringing them together for something larger. Right. And in the other one, it was very much like a bop around of like one character says something, then we go in another room and another character says something and then we go in another room. and Which I feel like is introducing the Summers, their connections, not only into that family, but their perspective in the larger Krakoa Mm -hmm. and the fact that they got this house on the moon which is even referenced in Excalibur right you know we Mm -hmm. we built houses on the moon where else can we build gates and and homes what else could it cost us now the thing that sticks out to me is what makes Mondo and Chamber a part of this gang and it's never really explained I don't know if I'm I'm missing a story where they are a part of this but it's even referenced in a later issue about like what do you think of these new mutant guys because they are Generation X. Oh. They are not of this New Mutant generation. You know, they are kind of the, the next generation after them. They do fall into this larger umbrella of the chillins, the mutant chillins. <laughs> the mutant chillins. We've continuously said that word. That's just an inside joke. That's what we say about... I feel like other people say chillins. All right. Well, they will now. Yeah. Yeah. But on that next page, these panels of Danny and Roberto talking back and forth about... What would be perfect? What would make this real perfect? Sam. Sam. Berto, Sam's in space. Berto's boyfriend, Sam. Sorry. He's in space. He busy. But why is his family in Shi'ar space? Because his wife is a Shi'ar super guardian. Why'd you say Berto's boyfriend if he has a wife? Because they have a unspoken love. Oh, they're not really a couple. No. no. You can't do things like that. <laughs> it is it's subtext. It, you this know. is a work boyfriend, work husband. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's good. That's a good way of thinking about it. They just they're best friends. And best friends. It's it's sometimes subtext that it might be a little more, but not explicitly. Okay, okay. Heard. Got it. I was like, there another love triangle happening or what's up? All right. So it's Sam's just, it's just they're really good friends. And and then also I like the fact that it's so Sam and Danny had led the New Mutants. They were co-leaders of the New Mutants mm. when we initially first met them. They were the, of the original group, they were the ones that were put in charge. And, and an interesting idea of having co-leaders versus one squadron leader. Mm-hmm. But also like you're not superheroes. <laughs> right. I think the other thing that I really like about this issue is it's very, it seems like it's a very simple setup. It's like, okay, well, we're all here. We're all hanging out. You know what we really want? We want Sam to join us. So what should we do? Let's go to space. Yeah. Let's get him. And it feels light, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they, they're friends. They're bantering with each other. They're. Yes. But then we're in space. The Star Jammer. I love the art in this. I don't think I've said that before, but I, I just, I love the feel of Rod Rice's art. Yeah. It just has like, and especially, and I think it might be the coloring too. So shout out it's to the It's very vibrant. Yeah. Yeah. He is just listed as the artist. So he also is coloring his pencils. That's or, cool. Or potentially it, it's like a paint. Fun fact, didn't know the Star Jammers were pirates. Space pirates. Ridiculous space, space pirates. pirates. So think about like the X-Men's version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, except more pirate than them. Well, more like the... Um, the Ravagers. Yes. That's the one. I actually have Yondu's them. group. But again, another duo is introduced, right? We have Corsair and Hepzibah. Yes, Raza is there. And and we've seen these characters before mm-hmm. briefly in that scene that you were referencing on the moon and Scott's in the summer's house. Mm-hmm. 
just uh, interesting to me that like Scott Summers is such a goody two shoes and his dad is a well, dad sneaky, was all- <laughs> sneaky pirate. Well, his dad was not really in his life. Right. Either. No, I know. It's just he was the off. contrast of yeah, their yeah. innate personalities. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Corsair may have been a little bit more straight edge, a little more on the narrow uh, before getting captured and, and tortured and, and left off into space and needing to scavenge you know, to yeah. live. How did he had some business happen to him? Yeah. But I think all these, all these characters, all X characters really carry a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. So if in a few panels you can remind us that Corsair is Cyclops' father, he's a space pirate and his band of star jammers, and romantic interest in Hepzibah. Yeah, know, like, let's just talk about how much better this is than the last issue. Like Excalibur <laughs> was like, haha, we tell you nothing. Well, all right. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to trash talk anyone title off the top. No, no, I'm not trash talking. I'm just saying from a perspective of the, someone who doesn't really know, yeah. this one lightly gives you the information and Slow approaches it in a concepts. way that doesn't make you feel overwhelmed. Excluded for not knowing. Yeah. So it's more of like a slow build intro of ideas rather than the in media res of everything happening around you. Mm -hmm. This line from Sunspot is just I love and is so on the nose for Sunspot. I got a big smile and a pocket full of money. Close will be close enough. Hickman knows how to write Sunspot, at least a a maxed version of him. You know, this, Mm -hmm. this cocky, you know, Sunspot was is one of his favorite characters as well as Cannonball. They were on an Avengers team together that was written by Hickman. You know, there's there's a, an element of their voice that he really grasps, which I, I really appreciate, especially in this line. And and to your point about, you know, Sunspot's personality, that just has always been Sunspot's personality. You don't have to like him. That's I mean, just it's the same is, reason I'm about to lose friends, but it's the same reason I don't like Tony Stark. You have money, so you think you're the bee's knees, for a lack of a more vulgar words. That wasn't a sentence, what I just said. For a lack of a more vulgar words. So say it again. (laughs) No, I am who I am. Oh, so is this little garden that they're in, is this the gate that was given to Corsair by Cyclops? We can assume. As we can assume. And we have another duo and a concept, right? This was a duo initially introduced on on Krakoa, Mondo and Cypher working together, figuring out stuff. And now we're taking them a little bit further and we're we're meeting this garden arboretum where there's a gate. And I even have a note, assuming this is the gate created by Cyclops' gift in X-Men number one. But the longer term effects that Krakoa is having on Mondo is something of interest, something to, you know, he, he needs to get rid of the island. It's itchy. And that isn't normal. You know, I think that, that it's like still lingering in him. Right. That when he had absorbed some of that matter. And so he is able to let that go into this garden. Because this garden is Krakoa. Uh, well, the garden. No, I feel like the gate is Krakoa and the gate. And, and we actually find out a little bit more about this on the next page. The gate is is causing a disruption in this garden. Yes, who is this gremlin-looking man? Chod. Chod. Or you could say Chod. No, don't. <laughs> it's I, I'd like to say Chod. Let's call him Chod. It's so nonchalantly introduced here, though, the, the disparate pieces of Krakoa in communication, how this flower that they have as their getaway flower, basically, or, or gift potentially bringing to Sam, mm-hmm. is pulling towards this other gate there's a 
and and to your point about this uncovering the larger idea of what is Krakoa and what's going on mm-hmm. with and between Krakoa. The flowers want to terraform, proving deadly to the plants in this biome. Chod's plants introducing him a little and giving him giving us some point on his home seeds of, of bigger concepts introduced, I think, you know, this idea of what's going on with Krakoa and how it's affecting. It's like sucking the life force out of the other plants. Yeah. And on that next page, we, we see, you know, the team's need for the plant as a way home. So they can't get rid of it. So different ways plants have been carried. Interesting to, to just put it inside Mondo's belly. Right. Okay. I had Krakoa in me and I didn't like it. So let's put Krakoa in me. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, mm, and this, it looks less like he's absorbing the flower. and More, more like, like he's like creating a little. Creating a little nook in his stomach. Just a little nook. And that seems to have helped. Yeah. But the flowers that Chad was has been raising for years are dead. I'm a sorry. delicacy from my home planet that only ripened once a decade. It took me years to get this environment just right so that they would grow here. And this was going to be the first time they were ready for harvest. Now they are dying. Dang it, Krakoa. Dang it, Krakoa. Several days later. Several in space. days later, magic is kicking butt. Space duel. We're getting kind of an introduction, kind of, you know, to another star jammer, Raza. And this slow integration of this this larger idea of space battles and, and who these people are and, and the fact that they are here in space. And I, Well, they've been traveling for days. They not only need to train, but like, why not make it interesting? Yeah, let's do something. Duel it up. And the groups that we've gradually been introduced start to meld here again. So kind of what happened in the coffee scene, here we have an intermingling of our characters. Bobby and Corsair and their bet on the Kentucky bourbon. You have Rain, Shan, Hepzibah, and and Chamber talking about fighting and training. And even Danny brings us back to, hey, no, you know, I, I love this page because it serves as a point of putting into perspective this fight. So we're introduced into this this fight between Magic and Raza. Mm-hmm. There's onlookers that kind of intermingle. We kind of get some further cross-pollination of our characters, but then no. Really, the reason why we're here is to watch this fight, and Danny reminds us of that. Yes. I mean, I really like how Rain says that it's not different from the Danger Room exercises. It's different from us. Like, they're like, why? this is really what you do to pass the time? And it's like, well, Yeah. Exactly what I said earlier. Like yeah, we, we have train. to train, so why not train in an interesting and fun way? Long and eventless space travel is. This is not. Why does she talk like Yoda? Because she's an alien, and I mean, I. <laughs> it's not exactly like Yoda, but yeah, there are but some Yoda elements to her, her as dialect. backwards. Sure. And then this page. Oh, the way the, just the the rage in magic's eyes yeah. when she and the circles gets, on, on yeah. like that that one middle panel on the first row of that She's page just like you just broke my nose you, you don't mess with magic right energy and style it feels almost reminiscent of bill Sienkiewicz, which we don't you don't know necessarily but no. uh is a that's the artist that i'd referenced previously when we we're talking He's the artist that had worked with Claremont to do the Demon Bear saga. Oh, yes. Okay. Has kind of an experimental feel to it. But this also just has some references to Bill Sienkiewicz, but is very much so Rod Reese's own style. 
Yeah, I love it. It's really, it's very interesting and very, it really gives you sort of her like inner monologue feeling, you know, of like this thing happened and now she's, she's exploding with rage. And so this is how she's going to react. And then the way that Roz is like, in just a white background, not really in a panel yeah. of like you cut off my arm is really showing you that this whole be- this whole page is about magic and he is outside of magic. So you only see him in white mm-hmm. and we're only seeing this from what's going on in magic's perspective because she you basically like hit her button. You've now triggered her to go full like you broke my nose, so I'm going to cut off your arm because it's metal and yeah, you could just get a, a new one, arm. so it's not a big deal. This is my real nose. And then... Bourbon boys. The fight is over. And Roberto wins the bourbon. And now they get one day later on the edge of Shi'ar space. Benevolence. A slow intro on a new location, kind of, right? We're, we're more location setting into where we are. Benevolence was mentioned previously in Powers of Ten, number three, as a remaining homeworld of mutants in Shi'ar space, so mm-hmm. in, the, in the far future. This is the edge of space, you know, a slowly creeping us into the cosmic side of X-Adventures. Right? We're, we're introducing those main players. You have the Starjammers, the Shi'ar is getting name dropped, mm-hmm. the edge of Shi'ar space intrigue danger and and then a different way of approaching a data page on that next page with this wanted poster i like this these two pages a lot i think it is hysterical that lewd behavior and scratching are listed on the list of crimes yeah and fight drink i also who's taking that who's touching that what's about to happen here yeah and and even through so on this second data page titled Benevolence, we, again, light reference to a lot of bigger ideas in Marvel Cosmic, in the the space side of X-Men, right? We have our, the new purpose of this place, holding dangerous exotic material. Ooh, I wonder what's here. Mention of brood spawning pits nearby. This is manned by a, a single light brigade because a lot of other forces are off in response to increased scroll activity in other sectors. The scroll. You can dock and refuel with proper imperial identification codes and fabricating those codes is a crime punishable by compounded fines and possible imprisonment. Oh, I wonder if the Star Jammers have any codes. And then the King Egg, which is a new concept, a new idea. Danger, do not take it out of its shell. Super Guardian protocols. Interstellar pheromone production and unexpected swarm activity might happen intrigue da, da, da. any thoughts on the king egg what, what that might be what that might mean no i mean really i think it has potential to be involved in the whole reincarnation process oh, oh you have zero reaction so am i completely <laughs> wrong or completely right it has nothing to do with the reincarnation process of means okay mm-hmm. completely wrong but we do find out more about it in another issue but on this, I really thought you were going to say in this issue, and I was like, did I read this issue? <laughs> like, what happened to me? We have Corsair around the table lying about the rules, telling them, you can't leave. You know, we're here. We got, we got space pirate business to do, and y'all need to be here. What's the worst thing that you can imagine? And I'm just going to make up a story that that's what's going on here to keep you here. Yeah. 
I mean, it's very clear that he's just like, I got stuff to do and I don't want you kids in my way. So just stay here. Yeah. And we're pirates. We're doing pirate stuff under their noses. Stay here. And Roberto's like, all right, come on. You know the rules. (laughs) This is where I really was just like, Roberto is kind of a blank. Or at least he seems really full of himself. Roberto is kind of a jerk. Jerk is a good word. Yeah. I love this panel with magic, the the colors and swirls, and also just the strategy behind what she's saying, that she took a look at their maps beforehand, so we're able to travel to exactly where we're going. We don't have to follow them. We know where they're trying to get. Yes. But the whole reason I feel that the kids are interested in this place is because it's what Karma's talking about, that there are supposedly innocent people being tortured right. so on this island. And Corsair's just like, no, I'm just like, yeah, there's just bad stuff going on here. But like, I'm here to get what I need and then I'm out. Well, it, Corsair basically caused his own problem with the New Mutants not mm-hmm. listening to him. You know, he gave them this backstory that was fabricated. And now that's the reason why they even more want to, you know, before it was just, we want to stretch our legs. We've been yeah, inside. Yeah, we, we need to get off the ship. And then he was like, well, no, there's bad things going on here. And it's like, okay, so you're going to tell these kids that there's bad things. They're, They're like heroes, itching for Corsair. a fight. Like, mm, they've been cooped up. What yeah. do you think's going to happen? I titled this next page in my notes, Bourbon and Eggs. Bourbon and Eggs. Which just makes oh. me hungry. Uh, he, you know, that does Berto, not sound like a good comment. I should have seen that coming. And they're there. Rain is climbing up. It's kind of funny that they, the Star Jammers are like, no, 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 no. We're going to do this ourselves, kids. And then they leave. And then the kids have time to formulate a plan and then get to the egg before the Star Jammers. Because, well, magic teleports. Right, because of magic. Right. But like, why didn't they just, why didn't the Star Jammers be like, yo, magic, can you help us out? Yo, magic. Yo, magic. But also because they're on a mission they're doing a thing and they don't necessarily want to involve the kids that and I, I talk about this a little bit later but the kids that are connected to Corsair's son you know they could get in trouble could get in danger but at the same time they're teasing them with the adventure that could be had I just feel like I guess I relate many things if it's pirate li- related to Captain Jack Sparrow Right. If Captain Jack Sparrow had kids on his boat that could get what he needed done faster, he would just do it. A pirate generally, I feel, is a little bit more seedy and underhanded in how they do things. So I feel like, why didn't they just lie and say they were doing it for a different reason? They were lying to them anyway. Yeah. So just twist your lie and get magic to help you. Yeah. Well, then they wouldn't have this. Yeah. Then the story wouldn't be a story. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I just like to pick it. Pick at it. Pick it apart. Star Jammers are pissed. This aggressive Corsair Star Star Jammers with the rules and Danny and Magic calling him out. Hey, look, it's a one-armed preacher. Exactly what is going on here, Corsair? This is this place is not what you told us it was. I really, again, just talking about the art, the differentiation in the tones of the colors between the new mutant team and the star jammers team and the all the leading lines as they like burst through the door yeah and just the close-ups and the facial expressions and how much story can really be told through those facial expressions you know so i feel so often we see big action shots or you know someone in motion when they're 
expressing anger, but the way that he draws the faces and you can just feel so much from the faces. Is, yeah, even Danny's. Like, yeah, just that like inquisitive side like cocked head. Excuse me. And magic like. Argh. Yeah. I love uh, Corsair's spiel of the Shi'ar people as Raza continues the heist. Basically, and we're pirates. And why else would we be here except to steal stuff? Like, obviously, this is what we're doing. We're stealing the stuff. And the magic's like, I can get there before they can. But wait. Other soldiers. This is that single light brigade that mans the station that we talked about. I love this use of Mondo where he, he like rocks up the wall, but it doesn't actually seem to be working. You know, he, he's getting hit. He's, he's reacting to it. You have Hepzibah wanting to save them, but Corsair being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, leave the kids. They, they left the ship. It's their own fault. They can deal. Yeah, which I don't know. I think that speaks to their characters, the ruthlessness of Corsair as this leader, knowing the dangers that are out here and the compassion potentially of Hepzibah wanting to, you know, hey, they're the people we traveled here with. You're just going to leave them? Yeah. In my notes, I wrote, he's just leaving the kids all not my chair, not my problem. Yeah, exactly. But also that's your son's chair. You know, like, Yeah, but it's not like they're 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 x-men or they're mutants but they're not his son's kids like sure but his son is the captain commander of this island nation and is a high-ranking you know leader within the community that you if 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 i was like hey you're going somewhere could you take my friends where you're going and then you came back later on you're like the next time corsair sees cyclops if the new mutants were to die right now like, what's he going to say? Oh, yeah. I, He's going to say, I told those idiots to stay on the ship and they didn't. So it's not my problem. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Cyclops would rightfully be upset with that. That that's you, Did you try to save them? And Hepzibah is just going to be silent about the fact He's that. He's going to be like, yeah, I did. Because I can I, lie I very easily. You know, I, <laughs> I, yeah, he probably. I said, hey, no, no don't do stop. that. Okay, didn't work. Oops. So the Star Jammer's piece and the new mutants are alone. And we see Karma's power energy signature, but okay. it can't get through. You know what? I'm going to just say something now. Yeah. Because no, you do not see that that guy does not have a face. You only see that when he takes his little chin mask off, that light bursts from his mouth. Okay. So that's not just light. That's like plasma energy. And I'm telling you. You're telling me, but I'm just saying I'm earlier <laughs> when you said when he pulls this thing down and you can see that he doesn't have a face. And I was like, I don't recall seeing that. It's because I don't see that because well, he doesn't have a face. The energy of his mutant power blew through his face. OK, well, that is a sidebar information that you cannot necessarily <laughs> just get. This gives me very much like Cyclops when he takes his visor off yeah, vibes. Yeah. And he has eyeballs. Yeah, but. Chamber does not have a face. Okay, but as we can assume from previous information, you may be led to believe that this man does have a face. I love Chamber's power. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to change the subject. It's kind of crazy that it blew through his face, and that's why he keeps it wrapped up. But this is an epic panel here. Oh, my Lanta. Okay, yes, it is an epic panel. I very much like it. I like this little side panel where he starts to pull down the mask and you can see the energy starting to kind of like bubble up and then he reveals and it's just like, which I also Danny's point. Well, I guess we're out of 
subtle options. Jono? Yeah. A baby's got to do what a baby's got to do. And the Starjammers make it back to the ship. And Berto's like, whoa, uh, where are they? Corsair is so calm about his abandoning them. And Poppy persists, seemingly buzzed, right? He's just been chilling. He's just like, yeah, they left. I'm just drinking. You know, I really feel like here is where we get the the cold, cool about it, cutthroat leadership of this pirate team. And this is where I wrote, you know, it's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, but more ruthless, like the Ravagers. Right. The Ravagers would leave you it, and 100%. I, I just think like it is messed up that these are your son's people. Not only his people, but the X-Men's former student team that, you know, he... He, he doesn't care. I know. I, I just think that that's messed up that he doesn't care. I get it. I, I, I don't think that it's messed up. I don't think that it's out of character. Right. I just you think, just that, think it's that that's messed poor up. poor character. You know, like it's just... It's well, just a, you know, this is where just like every person can view things differently because, yeah, I do think that Corsair is being kind of a jerk, but he his jerky nature is less frustrating to me than Berto's. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why. Berto's just, you know, that's just how he was raised. Maybe it's like childhood trauma. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and this this panel on the next page at the top of Roberto and his sad his sad eyes yeah it's, it tries to make it their fault like why would you why would you do that what have any of us done to deserve it you people ruined my plants the angry girl cut off my arm like children I do not and you stole my whiskey actually you lost that fair and square and now you've lost a ride. Yeah, and then they just leave him. And I was like, whoa, that's, they, they don't even, okay, so there you go. There's where the line is crossed for me. Because like, Berto just was chilling on the ship. So like, he should have just kept him on the ship. Well, yeah. But. But I think it's more Corsair recognizing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more Corsair recognizing that Berto's not just going to to leave with them you know right like, we're not going back if you want to go back go for it because we're going because even on that next page i said i'll get you to the shiar space welcome to the empire now get off my ship and that feels perfectly characteristic of a pirate yeah i upheld my bargain yeah just in you, my own seedy little way you didn't read the fine print <laughs> because it wasn't there because i made it up and that's fine it's all about the wording of the agreement. The wording of the agreement was that I would get you there. I didn't say that I would leave you where you want to be left. I didn't say that I would be nice about it. And also, you have a way home with that Krakoa and flower. Right. And just drunk Bobby spikes the camera in that last panel. <laughs> it feels like it is, isn't it? And then on the next page, reveal. Yes, that. It feels like this is where I saved the day. Shut up. <laughs> He's just a cocky character. <laughs> and I am just reacting naturally. I do not like him. Okay, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. <laughs> and I just, you know, no context of what happened. I, I'm confused as to did Chamber's power not do anything? Right. I, I understand that magic was knocked out previously. Did Roberto literally just walk into the center of the room? Like not trying to use his power at all? Yeah. How does this happen exactly? I, I understand that, you know, they are heroes. Maybe they didn't want to mess up all these Shi'ar guardsmen. Yeah. And then there's an ad for a space lawyer. Yep. Who is hysterical looking. 
with Justice is blind and eyeballs. so are we. <laughs> We're blind, but we have huge eyeballs. And you get on the bottom these regional offices in different locations in Shi'ar space, which I think is really interesting. Or, or not even just Shi'ar space, potentially. I... I did have similar feelings to you about that last page, though, because I'm just while we were just talking, I looked back at my notes and it says, and now they're all surrounded. Did I miss something? Yeah. Like, how did we, how did we get here? How did Berto just plant himself in the middle of this nonsense? And then it's cliffhangered. Is that a phrase? It is now. It is now. What'd you think? I, I really liked it. I liked that it was easy to follow along the art was really beautiful it had elements of like comedy it felt like an easygoing story that was sort of dropping plot threads or building something larger what could be later on yeah it was nice read right after excalibur i'll tell you that Don't roll your eyes at me, okay? Excalibur is clearly my least favorite so far. Yeah, I like Excalibur. And I understand why it's your least favorite because it is referencing a lot of stuff that you don't know and is working with a lot of ideas. And I I understand. I think it will get better. I think it will get better. But this story, I very much enjoyed. I liked it. I liked the the connections between, between the characters in this. It feels like even though we're jumping into a story that already exists, the personalities of the characters allow for an easier entry point or a connection. Well, so, and we're also not just dropped in the middle of it, right? We we meet our pairs in various locations on Krakoa. They organize, and then about you know a third of the way, they're like, "Oh, and then we'll do this mission," mm-hmm. and then now you're on the trip with this mission. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this issue i really liked you know this story of the new mutants this kind of section there are other stories of the new mutants and this especially at the beginning tries to be a little bit more broad in scope of Mm -hmm. what it means to be a new mutant title where there's different sections of new mutants doing things new new old new mutants yes 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 what's now old is new again but yeah i enjoyed it i any questions any curiosities what's what's tickling your brain right now what's tickling my brain well how the heck are they getting out of that situation space lawyer with a space lawyer um have you recently been incarcerated accused of a crime that you didn't commit or detained against your will then call us today for a free consultation and immediate representation immediate also like where'd corsair go with that egg and what does that egg do that oh, egg. Yeah. egg. What does that egg do? Was that king egg? Yeah. I know. Of course I'm not you know. Tell you. Okay, good. I don't want to know. And I think you know. Until I need to know. It's interesting that there were two writers on this. Oh, really? Right. So Ed Brisson and Jonathan <laughs> Clearly Hickman. Clearly, I don't pay attention. So Jonathan Hickman wasn't just in the, listed as the head of X. Two people were listed as the writing staff. I'm just going back. Ah, oh, yes, I see it now. Clearly, I do not read that page. I look at the title and I look at the little notes in the bottom and then I move on. I'm just telling you now. But it doesn't feel like two writers. Sure. It feels cohesive. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't feel like two voices, I should say. Mm -hmm. And I I will say, I think, and I kind of called this a couple of issues in that 
Hickman's doing this or he's working with Brisson on this because he's trying to set up something specific that he's going to play with later on. Mm. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles in space, in space, and it's fun. Oh, dear. <laughs> Charles in space. Oh, it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 